All right, I feel like I've been to church already. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, youth. Thank you, Tang family. Thank you, Jesus. Well, if you got your Bibles, you're a Bible person, you can open it up. We're in the book of 1 John. We're in chapter 2. If you want to get it out on your app, if you're checking the Niner score, I understand. What is that? I don't understand the chuckle. <laughs> oh, man. We're in First John chapter 2. If you were with us last week, you know we dove into this book of First John. If you're with us this week and you missed last week, don't worry, because it's going to make sense. And if you're with us and you haven't been with us before or maybe for a long time, congratulations, you picked an amazing time to jump right in. Uh, I believe what we talk about today is going to peel back for you maybe some of the layers of things that you've been trying to articulate that might be the reason you haven't been in church for a little while. Maybe the reason you haven't been for a little while is because a body of believers have read this passage that we're about to get into today but not lived it, and somehow you instinctively knew something wasn't right, and you were in the presence of someone who or something that seemed to stand for something, but then as it acted out, its purpose didn't seem to achieve that and there was a disconnect in your heart and in your mind and you just thought i can't handle that well today we're going to dive right into i believe a lot of our frustrations and then for those of you that have been journeying for a while you understand that there's times that the word of god does what it is designed to do it penetrates it divides it gets to the heart of the matter it challenges us and i believe that the word of god is going to do that Today And so I'm really excited. Um, I have loved just being in study with the book of First John. Um, last week, I'll just kind of catch you up snapshot. We talked about the fact that John uh, was the beloved disciple. If you could give yourself a nickname, uh, beloved is a pretty good nickname to give yourself. Um, if you could uh, in history record that you had a special relationship with Jesus and that he really loved you a lot, wouldn't you do it? I would do it. And so I love that John did that. Um, he's also known as the aged apostle because at the time of this writing, um, he's quite aged. He's up there in years. Um, it is believed in church history he may have lived to see a 100 years old. And he is writing this. Uh, we have kind of a wide window of when he actually wrote it. But somewhere maybe as many as 60 years after the cross that he's writing this down, that he still lived. It could be that many years later okay and so church history actually tells us that john when he got quite old that uh the new generation of disciples they would throw him on a cart and they would just take him from town to town this this venerable old apostle this aged apostle beloved of jesus and they just kind of drop him off in the front of wherever the home church was or the synagogue if they would receive him and he would just talk about what it was like to walk with jesus and i don't know about you but there is something powerful about the story written firsthand by someone who knew what it was like to walk with Jesus. He was there. He was there when, when the miracles would happen. He was there when people would call out and try to trap Jesus. And he saw how Jesus would interact with people. He saw the wisdom on display. He saw the power on display. John knew what the silhouette of Jesus looked like in the light. He knew the shape of his body. He knew the smell of Jesus. He knew the voice of Jesus. He heard in low, hushed voices the word of God. Jesus looked at John and said, take care of my mother that's who john is 
And he writes to us. How cool is that? That 2,000 years ago, this man who talked with Jesus wrote a letter to us. And this letter isn't written directly to an individual church. It's written like a homily or like a prayer or like a, I'm sorry, like a sermon. So it kind of reads like a sermon. So certain themes, because John's a pretty good preacher, come back again and again. And so we revisit some themes throughout the book over uh, and over again because he's pounding us with those. The other thing that is going on, and, uh, and it helps us to just kind of remember this, is he's talking to a culture who are probably second and third generation believers after the cross. And so this is a group of folks that never walked on the earth at the same time as Jesus, like us, as the Jesus in the flesh. And so they're incorporating this new belief system into their current worldview. And some tension is beginning to happen there. They have a lot of Greek philosophy. They're intelligent. They live in cities. They've built this uh, uh great communities, and, and all of a sudden, what's begun to happen is this peasant carpenter from a Jewish nowhere town has transformed the world. And they're hearing these stories of these believers who are radical. I mean, the way they love, the way they treat people, the way they flip the whole script on how a community can live is literally transforming culture and they begin to hear these stories and they begin to add the way that maybe sometimes we add jesus to their lives and what john is seeing is that hey you've actually added jesus to your life but you can't just add jesus to your life jesus has to be your life he's saying there's a tension point here and so he's going to begin to unpackage this it had me thinking about you know i make a lot of uh impulsive decisions Ever made an impulsive decision where you just kind of like in a magnanimous moment, you're like, you know what I need to do? I need to learn another language. So I'm going to spend like three hours trying to find the best deal on a, like a Rosetta Stone or a class. And, and I'm going to spend like I sp- I've spent more time investigating how to learn another language. I probably could have learned another language, right? But I'll make this like big decision. I'll put it on like my bucket list of things to do. I'm going to learn another language. I'm going to study. I'm going to, you know, add whatever it is. And then a little time goes by and guess what happens? I don't do it. Right. Should we talk about the gym? How many times, right, do we make this big decision that we're going to like, you know, I mean, gyms love New Year's, right? They love when we're in the mood to just add things to our lives that we make a actual first commitment, then we don't do it. And here's what I know about me. For me to make a commitment, I've shared with some of you, I just recently joined the gym, right? I, for me to make a commitment, I got to put teeth in it. And the only way that I do a big life-changing thing is I got to put some competition in it. I got to put some accountability in it. I got to put my money where my mouth is. Like I have to put all these other things in it so that I can't just kind of back down to where I was before. And so here's John, and he's talking to people who have made a pretty huge decision that they're going to add Jesus to their lives. And what's happened is there's like this moment of, yeah, that's awesome. We're going to add Jesus to our lives. And then they have incrementally backed down from that decision. And I think sometimes it connects with us in our world today. How often, oh, this is going to hurt. How often, how often 
Do we, we treat Jesus like, here's my life. Things are going pretty good. I got my family, my car, my job. Some's good, some's bad, whatever. We're kind of figuring it out. And we think, you know what? I, I, I'm just, I, you know, I'm glad I got this Jesus part of my life too. And it's like Jesus becomes this other part of our lives. And we live in a time where we are surrounded with more wealth, more opportunity. I mean, it is hard to starve in America, right? I mean, it's hard. You have to try to starve. Like, you, you can be poor, but there's a difference between poor and, like, poor, right? And we have so much that it is easy to just kind of add Jesus to our lives. And I have met couple after couple, people after people, person after person, whose life is just doing pretty good. Oh, and Jesus. I'm the only one. I got real quiet in here all of a sudden. So I'm not sure if you're either not tracking with me or you're avoiding eye contact because you don't want to talk about this, right? But John is saying, there is no such thing as my life and Jesus. You got that? There is only Jesus, the author and Lord of my life. And that changes everything. So John, he's older now. He's not pulling punches. He's got his, you know, he's in his grandpa phase of life. And he's kind of like, I got this window. And I wasn't sure if Jesus was going to come back in my lifetime. And it seems apparent now that we got some work to do here on earth before he does. So here's what I need to let you know before I go about what it means to live for Jesus. Because listen, this changes everything it changes everything it's not just my life plus jesus it's not how it works so here's john and he's writing this letter and it's amazing he's like we're not going to just merge jesus into our lives it's funny i think sometimes it's like we don't let jesus change us we just change jesus to whatever we need and, and we make Jesus okay with whatever we need him to be okay with so that it fits into the story of our lives. So in the story of my lives, uh, in my life, uh, you know, I really enjoy whatever this extracurricular thing is. And so Jesus really must enjoy that because I enjoy that. And so we just make Jesus fit with whatever it is, the thing that, you know. And then, then it goes a step further and it's like, well, you know, I don't really have a problem with anger. Come on, we talked about this last week. You know, but every once in a while I just explode and some anger comes out of me. But that's just kind of how I was raised. And, you know, and Jesus understands that that's just kind of who I am. And every once in a while, you know, poop, you know, the thermometer hits the top and it blows. But it's cool. Like Jesus and I, we got, you know, we got like an understanding about that. And we just kind of mold. Jesus into whatever we need to fill the gaps of, of our uh, our lives and we kind of make Jesus okay with whatever it is you know Jesus probably wouldn't watch this movie with me but he probably wouldn't lightning bolt me for watching it so he's probably oh got real quiet in here right he's probably cool with it on some level it's not I mean it's not that big of deal right and, and we just however it works you know well you know I got this this thing in me that I just it stays there all the time and that's okay I mean Paul had a thorn so Jesus is probably cool if I don't ever really deal with the things I know I should deal with and we start trying to get Jesus to fit our lives. <laughs> you know, it's funny because if I if I say it that way, you all think that it sounds ridiculous, but then you put yourself in front of the mirror. Oh, I put myself in front of the mirror. Let's make it personal so it's not about you guys. It's just about me, right? I put myself in front of the mirror and I start saying that scary prayer that we talked about last week of Jesus, you have permission to expose whatever's there. And I'm going to agree with you. If you say that's a sin, I'm going to say that's a sin. If you say that's rebellion, I'm going to say that's rebellion. I'm going to confess that. And we start having that conversation with Jesus, and it gets dangerous. And so we kind of talk ourselves into, well, yeah, everything except 
You know, and you're just, Jesus, you can just, and John comes into that conversation and he's like, guys, uh uh-uh, that's not how this thing works. When you interact with Jesus, it changes everything. Jesus isn't like, I live a pretty good life and then, oh, I make sure I buy some get out of hell insurance, right? I need my life insurance, fire, home, and, uh, oh yeah, I go to church every, you know, a couple, enough to make sure I got my get out of Right. It sounds ridiculous when I say it that way. But how often do we find ourselves interacting with God's word and with Jesus? Like it's like I just need to make sure I bought just in case, you know, insurance. And John's like, that's not what this life is about. That's not the Jesus that I knew. That's not what he sounded like. That's not what he, he, he said. That's not the, that wasn't the heart of the message. There was amazing truth in the message. But it wasn't just to make sure you didn't do too many bad things and end up in that bad place. That wasn't what it was about. It was about living a life here that was completely transformed by the power of Jesus. Just like we just sang. It was different. I mean, let's face it. If your life isn't different, then what are we doing this for? I mean, what's the point, right? If I'm just the same as I've always been, except for I also go to church. I mean, I mean, you can insert any other hobby there, you know. I also collect whatever, you know. I mean, that's not what this is about. So here's John, and he's going he's gonna to gut punch us a little bit here, church, today. And that's okay. I mean, you know, he's got permission. He's older. He's, you know, he doesn't pull any punches anymore. And so, uh, so he, he talks to us, and he starts in chapter 2. He's already talked about the light kind of invading in chapter 1. And chapter 2, he says, My dear children, I write this so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Now, he just gets right into it. He's like, listen, there's a problem. There's a solution. He's the solution. And I can tell you how to live that out. He's just breaking it down. Now, what's critical we catch here is the, the word world, cosmos in the Greek, it has tons of different meanings throughout the scripture. You know, sometimes when it's the world, the scripture talks about uh, the world, it's essentially the universe and everything that God's created. Sometimes when he's talking about the world, he's talking about us, basically people who are, exist in the world, like God loves for God so loved the world. He's talking about people, his creation, us, right? And so, so right here, he's being very clear that this is for people, right? He's not talking about like, you know, trees and animals and, and you know, the, the natural order of things. He's talking about the people he loves, who he has created. And here's the thing. We understand that the world's in trouble, We started, we can go back to the beginning and read about Adam and Eve and understand that God designed us to be in charge of the world. And then we abdicated that authority when we rebelled from him. And who is in charge of the world now? Yeah, the enemy. That's his domain. Right? Says the Lord just allows him this season. He has this dominion. And so all of us are living in this broken world and things get messed up and things are tough and things are full of sin. And then Jesus, did you hear that? And then Jesus comes onto the scene as the atoning sacrifice for our sins and also for the sins of the whole world. Verse 3 says that we know, oh man, it's going to get heavy right here. We know that we have come to know him. Did you catch that? Here's how we know that we know that we know, that we know, that we know 
him. Ever wondered how, if you could just know that you know, that you know, that you know him? Ever wonder about, okay, we'll get there, right? We know that we come to know him. How do we know that we know that we've come to know him? If we do what? Verse 3, obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know that we're in him. Verse 6, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Just let that percolate for a second. God, I just pray that the power and authority of your word would change hearts and lives today. Not anything I say, but simply the truth of your word. Amen. Oh, my goodness. It just got real. John is like, are you kidding me? You are saying that you know him. Here's how I know if you know him. And here's how you know that you know him. You, if you say that you know him, should walk like he walked. He said there is an action, there is a lifestyle, there is a transformation that happens if you know him. What's funny is we all kind of ask this. As a pastor, I get asked this from time to time. Hey, pastor, how do I just, how do I know? Like, I, I know I, I said something. I, you know, is it, is it just what I said? You know, I came to the altars and I said, is that, is that the moment? How do I know? What does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to be a disciple? Can you just... Like, spell it out for me, Pastor. What is, the, what is the key? How do I know? And I think sometimes in all of our hearts, in all of our moments, when we're eyeball to eyeball with that guy in the mirror, and we alone, besides Jesus, really know what's inside of our heart, know what we've struggled with, seen the attitude, seen the hurt, seen the pain, seen the frustration, we look at ourselves in the eyeball and we're like, seriously, God, are you really able to love this mess? And did you really redeem this? Because this is not easy today. Today I'm just having an honest day and it hurts and it's tough and it's challenging. And I don't know. I don't know. And we get these questions. We wonder, when I die, is there an exam? If there's an exam, did I pass? You know? Is it 72%? What's the passing grade? And if there is a passing grade, what's the minimum? I'd like to buy that insurance. I'll go 5% higher, right? How do I get there? (laughs) what is it how do we do it did i pass does what i say even matter where does grace and mercy fit in am i saved by faith is it a prayer what is it that does this what's the key recipe what are all the ingredients so that the candy bar comes out of the dispenser right is it 75 cents a dollar and 10 cents what is the thing and then it kicks out and bam one salvation card comes out and you're like yes in my pocket and you know i can show it got it what is the thing what does it take to get in? Oh, wait, can I fall out once I get there? Woo! So many big questions. Like, seriously, Pastor Mike, I'm really stressed out right now. I thought I was only stressed out about the Seahawks. Now I'm really stressed out. Let me just, everybody breathe. We got a lot of Sundays. We're not going to answer every question. You're like, there is no way we're getting home in time today. He's in verse like three and we went crazy. 
We'll never get out of chapter two if we go at this rate, but don't worry. <laughs> I want to take us through just a whirlwind tour of what John's talking about through the scriptures really quickly so that you can see with your eyes that the scripture addresses these things. And we've got time. We'll walk through all of these things. We've got many, many weeks together to go. And so, uh, so I'm going to take us on a little bit of a whirlwind. Let's talk about what Paul says when he talks about this crazy thing about how do we know that we're a follower of Jesus. Romans 10, chapter 9. I'm sorry, Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. Paul says this way in his great articulation of faith. He says, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth, here's where we get this thing, right? That Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth that you confess and that you're saved. Later in the book of Ephesians that he writes, he says, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 8, For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourself. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So Paul says something happens inside in your believer. Your believer connects to Jesus, translates to your mouth, it comes out, and you declare that God is who he says he is, and you put your trust in him. And just so you know, that's a gift from God that's connected to your faith, so don't get all braggy about it. That's what Paul wants you to know. All right? The first sermon ever preached after Jesus conquered the grave happens in Acts chapter 2. Peter preaches, and I don't think we ever talk about this. We talk about Pentecost and the Holy Spirit coming, and we talk about he preaches and 2,000 uh, get saved. But, but what do they say? Acts chapter 2, verse 37. After they hear the truth of who Jesus is, there's a crowd of people. Uh, chapter 2, verse 37, it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to what? The heart. What Paul said is our believer. I was cut right in the heart of my believer, where I believe things. And here, it was cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the apostles, brothers, What shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. That's us, far off, right? For all whom the Lord our God will call. See, Peter points out something I don't know that we preach enough. You got to repent. That means you got to turn and become like Jesus. Then you get baptized. That means you take your faith public. You take that public. You make that declaration, right? Baptism, I don't know if I've ever talked to you guys about this. Baptism is a lot like a wedding ring, right? This wedding ring is not what made me married. The thing that happened in here is the thing that made me married. I stood before God, and I stood before my friends and family, and there's a guy over here, and he was saying something. I don't know what he was talking about, but I was looking at my bride, and she was amazing, and she was beautiful. She's not in the room, so I can talk about her. She was amazing. She was beautiful, and something happened in here, and I made a declaration before God and man, and I made a vow in my heart that she was going to be the one. Then they put this thing on me. Who cares, right? But this is important. You know why this is important? So all y'all know that I made that decision. This is for your benefit, right? Taken, right? Heart consumed with love for one person. That's what this is about, right? Water baptism is that same expression of a life committed to Jesus. It says, hey, I'm taking my faith 
public. I am this person before. I go under the water. I model what Jesus modeled, and I come up, and I repent of my sin, and I say, I belong to him, the Savior. There's places in the world today that going public with your faith through water baptism is a death sentence. Why? Because it's a declaration to everybody else. This is who I'm for. This is who I'm for. Peter says, you've got to repent, you've got to get baptized, and you've got to invite the Spirit of God to cohabitate with you. The counselor, the transformative power encounter with, Jesus, with the Spirit of God that happens. He's like, that's what, that's what you do when you respond to Jesus. You see how you can't be the same and do that? You can't just be like, oh, yeah, and get out of jail, you know, free card. I also want to cash that in. I'll take one of those, please. Thank you. You're passing them out every week. It's great. All right? No, 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 no. I wish Jesus answered that question. Oh, wait. Jesus did answer that question. That's awesome. Thanks, Jesus. If you uh, flipping around or you just follow the board, Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Someone's asking Jesus the big questions. Jesus replied, you got to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I love verse 40. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Are you kidding me, Jesus? I've been like only walking so far on the Sabbath. I'm wearing special clothes. There's like 30 feasts. Like seven of them are pretty important. Like I'm observing all these different days. I got all these things that I'm doing to try to become righteous. And you're saying that everything, I'm thinking about someone in that time, right? Everything that I've been doing really hangs on getting, if I got these two right, that I would pass the test. If I loved God with all my heart, soul, mind, one version or one place it says in strength. If I did that and then I love my neighbor as myself, everything else would be like covered. Jesus like, yeah, that's how you that's how you do that thing. And I love this. Can you imagine having the ability to just be like, here's the command. Love me. Like, that's pretty cool, right? Can you imagine having that power like, hey, you know, just love me. That's the command. That's what you got to do. Can you imagine if you had that kind of ability, how many just like family relationship issues would just be like solved? If you could just look at someone and just like, you know what, Damon, I just need to just love me. That's it. We're done. Like, I know we've been beefing, but you know what? Can you just start by loving me? All right, thanks. Just give, give it a shot. <laughs> Amber's like, this all got weird all of a sudden, right? But, but can you imagine how many marriages, if, if you had the ability to just say, you know what? Just love me. Do it. Love me. But here's God, and he's like, love me. And then he qualifies it. He's like, here's how you love me. With all your heart, all your mind, with all your strength. He qualifies it. Now, here's the thing. I wonder about that because I think that's got to be high that bar is pretty high like how do you do that and i'm like all right god so that must be impossible but would it be fair to command something of you that wasn't possible so jesus must assume that it is possible for us to make a decision to love god in such a way that it's all it's not part it's not hey god i'm cruising down the street and i see you and i'm like hey hop in the car and you're like um Okay, you know, but get in the back because I'm driving this thing. No. Okay, you can ride shotgun because, you know, we're cool, you know, whatever. No. You want to be in the trunk? No. He wants to drive the car. He wants you to get in the back. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to put him first. He wants to be all. 
We don't get to go through our lives just like, man, it'd be awesome if Jesus, you want to jump in. I got this. I got this. But in case we crash, I want to know you're in the car, right? In case things get a little, you know, sideways and things get hard at work or someone, you know, ticks me off and bing, you know, the thermometer goes. I just want to know you're in the car. Just got me covered just in case. He's not insurance. He's not insurance. He's everything. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. It's the first and it's the greatest commandment. Then he gets to love your neighbor. And John's going to unpack this for us more. But loving the neighbor as yourself. You know, we talked a little bit about the Good Samaritan a few weeks ago. But there's just something. I never met someone who's full of hate and really likes themselves. Right? I just haven't met that person who comes in the office like, I can't stand that. I can't. I can't. That really loves themselves. Somehow we got to learn how to love what Jesus created in us and love that Jesus made us who he made us so that we can learn to love our neighbor like we love. Okay, that's a whole other thing there, but that, that's a thing, right? So John, he gets, uh, he gets us moving. Yeah. No, I'm not going to share. Okay. I was in a conversation with my own family last night, 1130 at night. My phone rings and to fight in my family down in California. It got physical. It was crazy. And I was just thinking, I'm like, man, there's just so much. I got to have me in my way that even in family, it's like, brah, it just explodes. What is it? I don't, I don't really like myself right now. And so I'm taking it out on everybody else. And I thought, man, if you could just love who god created in you i'm talking to my family you just understood you then you would be able to love the way jesus designed us to love but you're so frustrated and broken over you you can't love it's broken right okay let's keep going so god's challenge you learn to love 100 percent. you learn to give all god's like there's no mysteries with this it's all your heart all your soul then that connects to what John says next. Let's go back to First John 2, verse 7. He says, Dear friends, I'm not writing to you a new command, but an old one. So here's these commands, right? Which you've had since the beginning. The old command is the message you've heard. Yet I'm writing to you now this new command. Its truth is seen in him and you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone, oh, it's about to get real, who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Did you catch that? If you claim to be in the light, that means you're saying, Jesus, you're number one, but I still got some hatred towards my brother. Those two things aren't congruent. You're a liar. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there's nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded him. He says, you can't have both things. Right. It's kind of like if you have I heard this expression, if you have really clean water and really muddy water and you pour them into the same vessel, you have kind of clean water and kind of muddy water. You don't have a new thing. You just have two useless things now. And that's what happens when you try to put that light and dark together. Right. You got like this part of my life that is in the light, but this part of my life that's in the doctor darkness and they try to cohabitate and you kind of just don't have a thing. And that's what John's saying. He's like, you can't do both. There's a tension here. You've got to understand he keeps calling you dear children and young folks, and he's like, you know, he's paternal. So he's like, come on, guys, my children, my guys, my team, my crew, the guys that are going to live for Jesus after me. You can't do 
both things. You can't say you love God and have hatred in your heart towards your brother. Now, we got to talk about what hatred is because I, I think sometimes we get, we get to the point where we kind of justify, we have our own definition of hatred and it's like a, a line in the sand and we're like, as long as we didn't go over that line, we're probably okay. Like, I don't really want you to die. I just want you to never be around me ever again, right? Like, but if I wanted you to die, that would probably be hatred. But right now, I just kind of detest you. Like, I, I can use like trick words to try to convince myself that I don't really hate you, but I just, you know, I just want you away from me, right? I don't want bad things to happen to you but if they did i would laugh but that's we have that kind of heart right and so i i want to define hatred by just showing you how the bible defines love and not having these things would then be biblically a model of hatred so i'm going to take you to the love chapter first corinthians 13 you've been to a wedding before you heard this verse four it says love is patient i'm going to read it and then we're going to go backwards and we're going to insert what hatred is love is patient love is kind it doesn't envy it doesn't boast it's not proud it's not rude it's not self-seeking it's not easily angered it keeps no record of wrongs love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth it always protects always trusts always hopes always perseveres the tale there is love never fails now if we go back to verse four again can we put that back up there um so when we have hatred towards our brother, then we're not patient. We're not kind. We're envious. We boast. We're proud. We dishonor them. We are self-seeking. We promote ourselves over them. We get very easily angered. Ever been around someone who you say you love and it just takes like this much and your anger just goes... That's not love. That's not love. We keep records of wrongs. Oh, somebody in here just needs to go into their mental catalog and stop keeping the record of whatever the wrongs is, right? This is the moment. You have permission. Take a second. Go in there with your eraser. Come on. Go into there. Right? You're keeping records of wrongs. You delight in evil. Ha, ha, ha. That happened to them. Bummer. Right? And you don't rejoice with the truth. Man, something great happened for them. Whatever. Why are you laughing? Is that too close to the truth? You feeling that? You don't protect. You don't trust. There's no hope. And you just hope they go away. That fails. That fails. John says you can't do both things. You can't feel that way about people who God created about your brothers, about people who he sent his son to die for. You can't harbor that in your heart and say that Jesus is first in your heart. Those two things don't work. Hatred brings a sense of blindness, John says. It causes you to stumble and you get further and further away of who God called you to be. I wonder how often we hate without realizing it. It just kind of comes out in our core. We don't even think about it. You got in front of me in line. Oh, I wish you were dead. There's enough of you in the world that are like you that go slow. Where are the people that go fast? Right? It's like, hey, where's that coming from? Man, it's just in, right? I'm the only one? Okay. We hate without realizing it. Like someone's just pushed us to a point where we feel like there's just, I don't know if I could ever come back from there. 
And I don't, you know, it's like it slowly creeps in. If it hit as a wave all at once, we would catch it. We would go, whoo, that didn't feel right, you know, like that, because that happens every once in a while. Sometimes we're just like, whoa, the like full vent goes, and you're like, man, who, who, where did that come from? Sorry, Jesus, let's go recalibrate, right? But instead, it comes in like an incremental thing. It's like, I just care about you a little less, and I just let it, you know, I let myself drift and harden my heart a little bit more. Little things I used to do just out of compassion and care because I care about you, like call or connect. Or My wife's not in here. She's going to kill me, but I'm going to share this one thing, right? <laughs> So I have this thing where I charge all of our devices. I'm like paranoid, paranoid about everything. And she doesn't think about it or care, right? And, and, uh, and I just want to know that at any time, if something happens, she's, her phone has full battery. You can use the flashlight on it. She can call me. Like, I just make sure. That's just one of my things I do in the house, okay? I'm that guy. And so if I'm ever talking to you and, like, you show me your phone and your battery's dead, I'll, like, walk over and charge it in. Because it's just like, it, it just, I feel like I just care. It's one of the ways I show care, right? It's just, it's a silly little way that I show care. And so we were having a, a, a Christian conversation. That was a little bit unresolved. And, and I got to be honest with you. She said, I know you're still upset with me. And I was like, I'm fine. She goes, you know how I know? I said, why? It's just because my stuff's not charged up. <laughs> she was right. I was still upset. And I had kind of just subsided on some small level, just cared about her a little bit less. Isn't that weird? It's like, I'm, I'm real. Oh, my gosh. This is on the podcast now. It's over. But, but, but it's true. We make these small incremental moves of heart in our heart and moving away from love towards people. And that's a silly one we can all kind of connect with. But you know that that's true in our hearts and in our lives. And John is saying towards your brother, you can't live that way. You can't start saying, well, they probably did something that got them in that situation. So I don't know. Right? We gotta keep our hearts right. There's no room to let that darkness creep in there. Verse 12 through 14 is very poetic. I'll just read it so we can keep moving. It says, I write to you, dear children. He just calls us babies, and he has a right to. Because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. That's amazing. I write to you, fathers. Fathers, perk up. Because you've known him who is from the beginning. He's saying you are accountable. I write to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. There's power in you. I write to you, dear children. That's all of us. Because you've known the Father. You've had relationship with him. I write to you, fathers because you've known him who's from the beginning i write to you young men because you're strong and the word of god lives in you and you have overcome the evil one verse 15 we're going to wrap it up here 15 through 17 he says and do not love the world or anything in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for everything in the world the cravings of a sinful man the lust of his eyes the boasting of what he has and what he does, it doesn't come from the Father. It just comes from the world. The world and its desires, all that's passing away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. We could camp right here for a long, long time. But I think you understand what John's talking about. There's some things that we can chase and give our heart to. And if we chase those things and we give our heart to those things, they'll just take us further and further and further and further away from the love of the Father. And he's saying, once you've experienced the love of the Father, it's so much better. All of those things are going away, but not the love of the Father. 
Why would you trade it? Why would you trade it for the lust of your eyes, for the desire to boast about material things? Why would you trade it for some short-term blessing? Let the light in and trust Jesus. The man who does the will of the God of God lives forever. You know, I was I was contemplating. I'm going to show you guys a, a little video as we close, and I'm going to have the band come. But I love this video. It's about service, and uh, it's about three minutes long here. But I love this because it's just a picture of what would change if we really saw what God sees when it comes to interacting with our brothers. So take a look, and then we'll close. What would it look like if we let the light of God transform the way we saw our city, the way we saw the people in our city, the way we saw each other, our brothers, our friends, the people God's put in our lives, our enemies. If we, instead of holding on to that little bit of darkness, let the light of God invade, it would change everything. Would you stand with me? And we're just going to sing this chorus. But here's my invitation to you. We're not done. We got a few more weeks for sure walking through John's letter here. But I just want us to be challenged in this moment to just be aware. We've got to walk the talk. We can't just say it. We've got to do it. And so wherever you're at today, would you just have an open and honest moment with God as we worship and say, God, there's been some hate that I haven't even realized that was hate. There's been some darkness that I haven't agreed with that is darkness. There's been some actions that haven't lined up that I need to let go. There's some change that needs to happen. I haven't looked with the eyes that you have. I haven't loved the way that you've wanted me to love. I've gotten content. I've been tied up. Whatever it is, would you just let that light invade? Whatever surfaces, just respond.